children and I have a trait in me as the little brother that I see in my kids some of you parents and older siblings know what this trait is see I could have just ate lunch but if my mama grabbed something out of the cabinet I thought that part of what she had belonged to me This weekend, we celebrated the birthday of my twins. They turned seven. And um, we also have a younger one who, who is five that turned six in June. And as we celebrated and got ready for the party, he referred to the party as our party. When we prepared to open gifts, he he was ready to jump in and open gifts right along with his siblings. See, he didn't see anything about this weekend that was not for him. And when it comes to Easter and big days, it's easy for us. See, some of us have celebrated a few more Easter's than others. And maybe the, the, the shine is worn off. Maybe mama didn't fix you an a Easter basket this year like she used to. Maybe she bought you a store-bought one rather than the homemade one, because we know the homemade ones is what really goes in, right? And you think that this is really for everyone else or for the kids. But I need you to remember that there ain't a thing that our daddy got that he gave to our big brother Jesus that we don't get a share of. The scripture says that when he died on the cross that we shared in his death. And when he got up early on that Sunday morning that we shared in the same resurrection power that raised him from the grave. On the hill there's a cross. On the cross, there is blood just for me. They say if you ever got up close to the cross, there were all these small marks and dates, and, and each and one of them corresponded to the day we placed our faith in him. The sins that he paid for along the way. On the hill, there's a cross just for me. On the hill, there's a cross. On the cross, there is blood for me. For me. Thank you, Lord. On the hill, there's a cross. On the cross, there is blood for me. Amen, amen, amen. 
when God gives you your dream job, something that was supposed to give you life, but it now feels as though it's taking control of your life. When God saves your husband's life, only for him to lose connection with his daughter and you to lose connection with your grandchild. When you gain a home but lose connection, when a young girl loses her innocence because of the things done to her at no fault of her own, when you gain a family but lose security. See, if you hang around God's people for long enough, real people, you begin to realize that God's people's stories are not storybooks. They don't always have a happy ending like the romantic comedies. They don't always get settled in 30 minutes like the sitcoms. We don't always end up on the couch at Central Park or in Khadija's apartment for the non-culturally appropriated version because we all know that Friends is a ripoff of living single. <laughs> but I digress. And then the other hard thing is the vulnerability. When we read books and watch movies, we, we love round or well-developed characters. We, we love seeing them in different situations and acting in different ways. And, 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 we, and we love seeing this, but often um, being close to that kind of vulnerability, seeing the imperfections of others and, and not having the right words to speak while we see others go through hurts and, and miss expectations of their own, it's uncomfortable. But there is a verse that helps us on both accounts. There's a passage of scripture that helps us on both accounts. And, and here's what it says. In Romans 10, 9 through 11, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the Scriptures say, I need you to hear this morning, as the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. These last two years have been filled with gaps and expectations. And following Christ has been no different. Often we pray, Lord, make me like your son. Give me the same resurrection power that we see in him. Grow me in love and faith and grace to be more like him. And what we generally expect is this life-changing, euphoric rush and experience. But often God begins the process of bringing us into our resurrection moments by sending us through our own death experiences. There is no crown without the cross. For those who are hurting, for those who feel isolated, for those who are dealing with mistakes, for those who are struggling to find meaning in it all, you may ask, how can I know that God loves me when I hurt so much? How could a perfect God ever love such a flawed individual as me? 
the meaning in your pain, in, in your death, and it's found in his resurrection. The answer is the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is the receipt of God's love for us. The gospel is that Jesus Christ has been raised for you. And if he has been raised for you, and if you put your trust in the fact that he's been raised for you, you will be saved instead of trying to be your own resurrection, instead of trying to do your own resurrection, instead of trying to pull your own life together. The resurrection says it is done. And when Jesus Christ came out of the grave, that was God's way of saying to you, it's all been paid. He has paid for everything. He was raised for your justification. Of course, I can love you. He is your resurrection and your life. The resurrection doesn't mean that you won't experience pain. The resurrection means that there can be joy and security and healing and connection in the midst of pain. And how does that look? In December of 2015, after many years of waiting in prayer, I was preparing for one of the happiest moments of my life. I was preparing to marry my wife. And as I prepared for that day, I had planned for several people that I had discipled along the way to be present. And one of them was my friend named Jason. See, Jason and his wife, Stephanie, were going to read the scripture at our wedding. But tragically, Stephanie, his wife, who had been battling cancer, fell ill. And therefore, they had to send us a video of the scripture. And while I celebrated my new union, Jason lost his wife in her 20s to cancer. Jason mourned as any loving husband would, and he trusted God. And as he grieved, he leaned into what God called him to like never before. See, Jason had always worked in produce up until this moment. And now in the presence of significant loss, Jason enrolled in Bible college to finally start pursuing a life of full-time ministry that he had been called to for so many years. And after a period of grieving and doing missions in Cambodia, Jason met Jen. Jen is this bubbly nurse practitioner from the Midwest who also loves Jesus and missions. They would go on to get married and do missions together. Jason would start over living in Nebraska with his new Midwest bride. He would graduate from Bible college and become the director of a local mission, his dream job. And him and Jen would 
began to think about starting a family of their own. For see, because of Stephanie's cancer, Jason and Jen, and Jason and Stephanie couldn't have kids. But this was another chance for Jason to have kids in a family of his own. But as they tried, something wasn't right. So they began to try IVF. And time after time, Jen miscarried until the last egg. Jen was pregnant, and we all regularly got Facebook and text updates of a healthy mom and baby. Then as I left church last Sunday, I received a text. And here's what it said. It's been a rough couple of big days. Mixed with rejoicing and punches in the gut. Our baby girl was born without properly functioning kidneys and underdeveloped lungs. After my bride left to recover, I took the nurse practitioner aside and asked her what the probability of Leah making it was. And she said it was a small percentage. Even if they could get her breathing stabilized, she would have a long road ahead of her. We'll probably have to make the decision soon of when enough is really enough. The doctor said it is an hour-by-hour case. And as I sit here looking at her, thinking about how beautiful she looks, I want to cherish every minute that I have with her. The doctor came in earlier and said they've done all they can do for her. And they're making her comfortable. We're holding her right now. Bro, I can't begin to express my mourning. If I could ask if you would just pray for Jen and I as we go through this process. Love you, bro. I never thought I would have to experience this again so soon. Notice what Jason said at the beginning of that text. He said, this time has been filled with both rejoicing and punches in the gut. One of the signs that you have experienced the resurrection in your life, one of the ways that you can tell that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you is when rejoicing and gut punches are not mutually exclusive. You have stopped trying to be your own resurrection. You, when you can say that because Christ died and got up, I have the strength to both mourn loss and miss expectation while rejoicing in the healing, the security, and the ability to be known and loved by the God of the universe at the same time. If you're here today or listening online and you're struggling to find meaning in the last two years, I want to close by praying for 
you and also my friends Jason and Jen and little Layla who are watching online with us from the hospital today. Layla, who's still fighting. Layla, who the doctors and nurses had to come back in and say, maybe we spoke a little too hastily. Later this week, Jason and I was was talking on the phone. I was asking for updates each day to see how things were going, to check on them. And while we were talking on the phone, he said this. He said, until God calls me or calls her home, I will stay on my face and pray for my daughter like David did for his child. And if he is to call her home, I'm going to rise up and continue to trust God just like David did. If you are here and you have not placed your trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ by accepting the offering of the resurrection power that we celebrate today, if you are here and you know what it means to hope beyond hope, for something outside of you, something supernatural to empower you to do what you don't think you have the strength to do. I invite you to pray with me today. There will be no special words, no special order of words, just a prayer of thanksgiving. And I invite you to do that. If you make that step today or have in the past but have not making your first step of obedience, which is baptism, I invite you to text us through the number on the screen and the word connect. Or if you're in person or have someone here to the left of stage after service and someone at the discipleship table in the hallway after service, and you can talk with them about getting help with your next step. And we would love to walk with you as we do baptisms here during this time next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you. We're thankful that in you, Father, there is space for both mourning, loss, and joy. In the sacrifice of your son, there was great mourning and loss, but also great celebration. The temple veil was torn in two. Sinful man no longer needed the blood of rams and doves and sheep. No longer will we be separated. Forever will we have what our hope, our hearts have longed for. Our greatest hope, our richest dream, and eternity with you was now accessible. Your word says that for centuries and centuries, Christ waited for the opportunity to come and die for us so that we may share in his inheritance with him. Father, if there's anyone here today 
that needs your strength, that needs your resurrection power, we ask that you would be with them. We ask that you would touch little Layla's body as she lays there fighting in the presence of your Holy Spirit. Embrace her parents and give them the strength to make this journey and to trust you, however this may turn out. We ask that little Layla would be used as a testimony for you, that what the doctors and nurses thought was impossible, that her parents are able to look them back in the face and say, we know a God. who steps into impossible situations and makes them possible. The whole reason we celebrate Easter, Father, is because dead people don't come back to life. (laughs) But in the resurrection, we saw the impossible become possible. And so we celebrate you today, Father. We celebrate your miracle working power that not only brings the dead to life but calls your enemies friend we pray these things in the name of your son and in the power of your holy spirit amen